Um, if you have your Bibles with you, <coughs> we'll turn again over to Acts chapter 6. We looked at this, this uh, chapter two weeks ago, and I want to, to maybe go back and, and read it again, and maybe, we'll maybe look at it maybe for another week or two. So Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. And these are the words. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And we we'll trust that the Lord bless this portion of his precious truth. We looked two weeks ago at uh, various revivals that took, took place in parts of the world. And we're thinking of Jeremiah Lathander out in New York as uh, this man he got saved in 1832. And he'd done a lot of door-to-door -door work a lot of street work. And this man, he had a vision for the lost. And this man started to have prayer meetings. And then prayer meetings grew and grew and multiplied that there were, then prayer meetings was all over America. And there was a mighty revival. And there was over a million people got saved in that revival in 1857. And that revival spread literally worldwide. And there was, <clears throat> we looked at the, the revival here in Northern Ireland, the, the revival in Wales, and the revival in the Isle of Lewis. And tonight, we'll, we'll maybe go a wee step further. We see here in this, this passage, there was a, a great priority. And it was prayer. If you turn over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And the, um, it says here. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. And there's a wee word in the middle of that verse. At verse 13. And it says abode. Whenever the disciples before the, the day of Pentecost, them ten days before the day of Pentecost, they, they literally lived, that's what that means, they literally lived in the upper room in the place of prayer. They prayed solid for ten days before the day of Pentecost. And we read in the day of Pentecost that there was 3,000 souls was wonderfully saved in the day of Pentecost. We can go on to Acts chapter 4 and verse 4 and we can read about there was 5,000 men. 5,000 that got saved 
And then there have been besides women and children. We can go on to chapter 6 and, and, and verse 7. And we'll read here. And the word of God increased. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. This was real revival. We see here in this, in this passage that the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Now if you start to multiply the 3,000 and the 5,000 men besides women and children and it says here multiplied greatly to think of the huge number of people got wonderfully saved in, in, in these early days. And you know what? It, 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 was, it was the result of prayer. We see here, but we will give ourselves to pray, continually to prayer and to the ministry of God's word. They weren't going to let anything get in their way. Now we read how the enemy... You know, the enemy would seek to distract. The enemy would seek to, to get you, as it were, to the one side and get you from the place of prayer. We'll read in, in Acts chapter 4 and in the first three verses. We'll read about the religious authorities. And they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the <clears throat> of the temple and the Sadducees came unto them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. We see here the religious authorities. The enemy was using the religious authorities to get these men away from the place of prayer. We can see in, in chapter 5 that, <clears throat> that there was there were ambition under them. And the attack came. The enemy used uh, those that was within. We see about Ananias and his wife. They got ambitious, and the enemy was attacking here. But you know, they, they, it was dealt with, and they continued in prayer. We're reading in chapter 6, again, in <clears throat> verse 1, we see, we see here in the middle of that verse, there arose a murmuring. You know, sometimes... There's, there's, there's maybe fights that has to be dealt with. There's maybe fires has to be put out. But you know these men, in verse 4, they weren't going to be distracted. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The, this, you know, we drive cars and different vehicles 
And you know, they're running Pater and they're running Diesel. But you know this church, it was running in prayer. It was running in prayer. The core of the of, of the early church, it, it was prayer. And there was and you know, the church it grew. It grew greatly. There was progress. Souls who's been saved. Multitudes of souls who's been saved. There was a move of God. You know, do we not need revival in the, in the age we live in? Amen. In the news this week, it was released about drugs in Scotland. And there was 1,183 people died from from the use of drugs in 2018. Isn't that vast? Over 1,100 people, almost 1,200 people, died from drugs in Scotland in 2018. They said that there's over 60,000 people in Scotland that has serious problems with drugs. There was one woman, and she said uh, in this article that her mother, father, her two sisters, and her brother have all died as a result of drugs. Do we, do we not need to pray for God to move? You know, we see, we see in this day and age we live in, you know, the enemy is robbing our young people. And, you know, we need to pray for our young people that God will move in a mighty way. We need, we need, we need revival. You know, we can, we can look at men of old. You know, sometimes... Colin and me would do a bit of mechanicking. And maybe we don't know much, but we put it this way, we'll be very adventurous. <laughs> and you know, sometimes maybe we'd have to take, we'd take maybe a hydraulic motor apart, or there was some, there was a lot of wee toady pieces. And then we'd start and put it back together again. Colin always says, you know, we should always take a photograph, you know, before when we're taking it apart. But usually, you know, things is rushed on and we don't do that. And then whenever we get it nearly all together, you know, we find maybe there's two or three pieces extra. And, <laughs> you know, we maybe have to go back. We have to go back to see what went wrong. Where, where you know, these pieces belong to. You know, we just, we missed that wee bit. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, <clears throat> We have to go back to see our to our forefathers to see what they what they done that we are not doing. Do you know I love in my spare time listening and or watching, you know, slips of 
George Miller or um, Charles Spurgeon or these men of old and how they were used of God. You know, it was mighty. The, um, Charles Spurgeon, the said of Charles Spurgeon, that within 20 minutes of every working day, he prayed. Every, within every 20 minutes, he prayed. There was one time, Charles Spurgeon, he had a, a children's home. And uh, they, uh, he was up in Brighton. And he was having, um, having meetings. But this particular last meeting, uh, there, was, there was going to be a collection for Charles Spurgeon's home, children's home. So they, uh, that was fine. They had the collection that evening. And then the next day, Charles Spurgeon was going over back to London and uh, in the middle of the night, the Lord woke Charles Spurgeon up and he says, you know that money that you collected last night? He says, I want you to take that money to George Miller. It was £300. That was a lot of money then. And Charles Spurgeon says, no, he says, you know, that was for... For for my my uh, mine for the my children's home it wasn't for the orphanages of George Miller. The Lord told him he says they're all mine. All the orphanages is mine. All the children's <coughs> is mine. He says you get up and you go and you um, give that money to George Miller. Charles Spurgeon got up in the middle of the night <coughs> and he got on a carriage. And he went over to where George Miller lived. And he could see a light on. And they, he went to the door. <coughs> knocked the door and George Miller come to the door. He says, I've been praying all night. He says, and I knew, he says the money was coming. And he told Charles Spurgeon how much it was. He says it was £300. But he says, I didn't think you were going to be the steward. And the two great men, you know where they prayed to the next morning. And then Charles Spurgeon made his way back to London. One time, uh, there was an evangelist who had come to Charles Spurgeon's church. And the evangelist, he, he was amazed how God was was working in a mighty way in the salvation of many precious souls. And Charles Spurgeon took him down to, to, to a room under the church and it was full of people praying. Charles Spurgeon told him, he says, this is the engine room. He says, this is where it all happens. There was another case about George Miller. George Miller, whenever he started out in the work of, um, of uh, building orphanages and looking after 
children just before he started. He said this statement. He says, I'm going to show an ungodly nation that, that Jesus lives. He says, I'm going to build orphanages. He says, I'm going to look after our children. And I says, the Lord's going to provide. And in uh, George Mooner's lifetime, a, a, uh, he looked after one and a half million orphan children. They, um, and took care of them. Like one and a half million. At the age of 70, you think whenever you reach 70, you know, you sort of start to slow down. He started, and he wanted to go out to the world and evangelize the world for Christ. And it's, it's, um, the, first, the first journey that he took was out to Canada, out to Montreal. And the, um, but he took the ship across, but when just before he reached Montreal, they came heavy fog, and the uh, the ship stopped. And George Miller he went up to the captain, and uh, he says, uh, "What's wrong?" He says, "It's fog." He says, "I have to. I can't can't do nothing." George Miller told him, "He says, I have a meeting in Montreal uh, tomorrow night." And he says, you know, I, I'll be there. The captain laughed at him. He says, the last time I was in a fog like this here, I was stuck for 10 days. The, um, well, George Miller, he says, I'm going to pray. Well, the captain said, he says, well, I'll get down with you. George Miller t- told him, he says, you'll not. He says, your prayer would hinder me, hinder the blessing. He says, you stand there. And there and then, George Miller got down and he prayed. And George Miller told the Lord, he says, this man says, it's going to be 10 days or it could take up to 10 days. But he said to the Lord, he says, you told me to book this hall in Montreal and you gave me the time when it was to start and I believe you and I'm asking you to take this fog away. George Miller got up off his knees and he told the captain to open the door and there was no fog. The fog was gone. And he was in Montreal and, and had, had a, a, a number of meetings and there was hundreds got wonderfully and gloriously saved. You know, we're longing for God to pour out his spirit in this land once again. We read, and it's in Exodus chapter 14. 
in chapter 14, <coughs> and the, um, we'll maybe just read two or three verses here in verse 13, 14, and 15 of Exodus chapter 14. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. You know we need to go forward. The Lord said, said here, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may go forward. You know we need to go forward in the place of prayer. We need to give ourselves to prayer. If we are going to see a mighty revival, if we are going to see God pour out his spirit in this land, we need to pray. Do you know I remember some time ago I was preaching in open air and I took that text, Where art thou? Do you know that was the first question the Lord asked in Scripture? Where art thou? Do you know I've been asking myself, I've been meditating in this in, in this verse. You know, where art thou? You know, the Bible says judgment must first start. It starts here. It starts here. It starts at the house of God. And you know, we have to give an account. You know, we're all saved. We're all someday day will rejoice that we'll be in heaven. But you know, we have to give an account. And you know, one of us soul winners. The Bible says he or she that winneth souls is wise. You know, one of us wise. And uh, the 22nd of November, 1963, President John Kennedy was assassinated and he was in the, whenever he was he was shot he fell over onto his wife's knee and it ended up that her clothes was all covered in blood later on that day she was about to fly back to Washington and the um the came to her and told her about you know you need to get clean clothes, get them stained clothes that's with the blood off. She said no. She said no angrily. She says, you know, Whenever I go back to Washington, 
You know, I realize there's going to be reporters and everything. But she says, I'm going to show them the blood of my Jack. She says, I'm going to show the world what they've done to my Jack. But you know, we are here tonight and we think of Calvary. We think of the Lord Jesus. And he paid a price that no one else could pay. He tasted, what the Bible says, he tasted death for every man. The, the one who knew no sin, the one that left the realms of glory, the one that came down to this sin cursed world. The Bible says about John the Baptist, he could say, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. But you know the one who made himself of no reputation, the one that went the whole world to Calvary and took your sin and took my sin and he made it his very own. The one who defeated him who had the power of death that was the devil. And we worship a risen, glorified, exalted Saviour here tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave one last thought. Um, if you turn over to Acts chapter 9 and verse 11. This is about Saul of Tarsus and most of us would know the story by the Damascus Road and verse 11 it says here and the Lord said unto him arise and go into the street which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayed. I want to just look at them two, three last words. Behold, he prayed. That behold is a stop sign. That's a stop sign. And that's, you've got to think of what's just about to be said. Behold, he prayeth. We just quoted the verse there about John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God. You know, behold is a stop sign. You know where to stop and where to just think. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. But you know we read in Revelation 22, you don't need to talk, turn to it, but in Revelation 22 and verse 7 and also in verse 12, 
that says, Behold, I come quickly. You know, we are surely, as we look around us, and we see all the modern technology and how fast the world is advancing and how fast the world is going, surely the coming of the Lord draws nigh. And surely we're here tonight and we're here to pray. And we're here to pray for that God, that God will pour out his spirit. Oh, that if we could get a grip of prayer and that would would see God move supernaturally in these coming days, that God would breathe a heaven-sent revival upon this island of Ireland, upon Scotland, upon England, upon Wales, upon these islands. And you know, it has to start here. Revive me. Revive us. We're here and we're looking for the fire. As, as we're sung that hymn tonight, send the fire. Send the fire. That's our cry. That's the cry of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.